We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society. And today, Brooklyn and I will be speaking about the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, the position he has put himself in, and what this might mean for legislation going forward in the United States Congress. So let's listen in. So, Brooke, you wanted to continue to talk about the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. So, uh, what what is bugging you now? <laughs> yeah, well, I I was thinking about our conversation last week, Mark, where you were saying that that McCarthy is a canny or wily political operative. And he may be. What occurs to me is that he may have, and and you were also saying that he put himself in that in in the position that he's in, which which I agree with. I mean, he did. However, based on his the, uh, McCarthy's comments over the weekend, where he was swearing, and then um, I believe on Monday he uh, was saying that. Freedom Caucus or or whatever this this group that you refer to as as the 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 crazy caucus I believe yes, um, the crazy caucus <laughs> yeah they they didn't want to vote on this they didn't want to do that they didn't want to do the other and um, uh, Speaker McCarthy was saying well he d- he frankly didn't know what they wanted my understanding is that there was going to there was supposed to be a vote yesterday in the House at two thirty on a bill that would fund the military, the House of Representatives, due to this uh, far-right faction, could not even, uh, by a vote of, I think, 212 to 214, something very, very narrow, could not even vote whether to have a discussion on bringing the bill to the floor. I mean, something very, very basic. They couldn't even decide whether to have a discussion about bringing the bill to the floor, much less voting on the bill itself. What I am beginning to wonder is whether he misunderstood what the far-right faction really was and whether he felt that by saying, for instance, yeah, we'll have an inquiry into Biden, into impeaching Biden, that he could mollify them, uh, whether he felt that he would be able to work with them and be able to treat them as though they were, um, I hesitate to use the word normal, or uh, or ordinary politicians or eccentric but rather typical politicians he seems to be learning now that these individuals are not as he said he he doesn't know what they want and 
they may not know what they want either, except to cause more disruption. Um, and I noticed that if the government is even funded, that the funding would be only until October 31st. So now and then thereafter, uh, the government would have to be refunded. I mean, a shutdown appears to be imminent to me of the many demands that the this far right group wants of um, an inquiry into Biden to impeach Biden um, is not enough. Now uh, it has to be, I don't know, funding for Ukraine and it has to be border wall funding and it has to be this and it has to be that. I don't know all the demands, but it has to be all these things. And from what I understand, moderate Republicans, who I would characterize as, as normal conservatives, um, who are there in the government and there in the House actually to lead and to govern and to write legislation and to work, um, are apparently getting calls from their constituents saying, you're not accomplishing anything and you're not doing the job that we sent you there to do. Um, and uh, so the frustration level is rising. And apparently the um, I believe that the Democrats in the Senate wrote a letter to Speaker McCarthy saying, why don't you just use the appropriations bill that we have written, written up and just use that one? Um, among the threats of the this far right uh, group in the House is that if McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, should go um, across the aisle to the Democrats, they will throw him out of the speakership. Um, I mean, he he has, as you say, put himself in this position, and he may have thought that he was. Um, like a Mitch McConnell, uh, canny enough and wily enough and astute enough, a politician. Um, I don't know if Mitch McConnell would have put himself in this position um, with a group like that. Uh, I, I, I really don't know. But if, if Mr. McCarthy is removed from the speakership, I don't really know who would replace him because there would have to be 215 votes. I don't really know how such a narrow majority in the House of Republicans would get to 215, really, for anybody. Well, first of all, let me just say it's actually 218 he has to get to. excuse me. He has to get to 218, which which makes it even more of a monumental problem that he has. Yeah, or anybody has. And and other individuals, other other Republicans are, of course, becoming tired and frustrated by all this. Kevin McCarthy. Oh, you always like to beat up on old poor Kevin. Now, poor Kevin gets he deserves to get beaten up on. And again, yes, this is a this is a monster of his own creation. You know, go back to Frankenstein. But this is, this is a man, you know, you created this. Uh, now I know you question the fact of whether or not he is politically savvy as, as I would 
I would say that he is. Now, first of all, my first argument to say yes is, is that you do not rise to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives without having some political savvy. Number two, you do not rise to the political uh, heights of Speaker of the House of Representatives when within your own party, who is the majority, you have so many factions within it that a lesser politician uh, might not have been able to even get, we might still be voting on the Speaker of the House of Representatives today. Did Kevin McCarthy make deal with the devil? Absolutely. Uh, when he says, I don't know what they want, I think that's a rhetorical statement he's making. He wants them, he wants the crazy caucus to come out and say, okay, this is what we want. And basically, you know, show that they're completely off the wall without him having to say it. You know, it's like, call it out. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. Because I know what you think is so off the wall, the country's going to see it. And maybe the country will take care of my my little problem that I have here, known as the crazy caucus. By, you know, they'll, they'll take care of it for me. Will he be the speaker? Remember, they can call to, to vacate the chair. Yes. But you've got to have the votes. And 15 or 20 is not enough. Now, the Democrats know that they don't have the numbers to get Hakeem Jeffries as the speaker. You don't have it. At least, it's, you know, the way the math works. But the Republicans don't have the votes to put anybody else in there either. And if it was somebody that was so off the wall, there are enough, I would say, reasonable Republicans that there's no way on God's green earth they're going to put a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a, uh, uh, you know, a Jim Jordan or Matt Gates. There's no way they're going to put them in there. A, a Chip Roy. Again, he has to have 218. You lose five, you don't get it. And and I my hope is, is that there are still some, and, and I truly believe that there are, some of the moderate Republicans, those that want to govern, that just will not vote for these for these people. Here's the problem the government could be at a stalemate because legislation comes out of the Congress. It doesn't always come out of, of House Representatives, but it, and it sometimes comes out of Senate, yes. The bottom line of the issue that they run into is you've got a Republican Party in power that doesn't have the votes to do anything. I mean, it would be totally different if you know, they were a united Republican Party. If they were all Trumpists, if every one of them were a Trumpist, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be in this position. We probably wouldn't like the policies, you or I, but we wouldn't be in the position that we're in. And, you know, once again, it goes back to the electorate. If the good people of Dalton, Georgia, who put Marjorie Taylor Greene in there, or the, or the good people of Colorado who put Lauren Boebert in there, cannot see obstructionism and continue to send these people back to Congress. 
And if the Republicans maintain their their majority, as slim as it might be, you've got a government that isn't going to do anything. What, other than the bipartisan policies, which, of course, the crazy caucus complains about that have been put through, which there have been very, very few, they have been in office almost two years, have done absolutely nothing. And again, you're getting the government you deserve. If you're going to set, keep sending these people back to be the disruptors, okay, that's your choice. But understand that that impacts you and your, as a constituent, that will impact you. If the government shuts down because of this, the good citizens of Dalton, Georgia, the good citizens of Colorado, the good citizens from wherever Chip Roy is from in Texas, you're going to suffer just like everybody else. And for no other reason than you sent, you sent the disruptors in chief into the Congress for ideological purposes, not to govern, but just to, you know, throw a monkey wrench into the works. So again, you get what you get. Same thing with McCarthy. You get what you get. I, I do think he totally realizes who he's dealing with. He asked the question, would Mitch McConnell have ended up this way? I don't know. How would Mitch McConnell have handled it? I don't know that either. Uh, because the Senate is a little different. You're there for six years. You don't have to be the crazy caucus for the full six years. You can be the crazy caucus for one year and get yourself reelected. But if you're a congressman, you're there two years. And from the day you get put into office, you're running for next term. Which is one of the issues with a two-year term. You start running on day one after you get put into office. So you got to stick with the stick that got you there. And that's, that's really all there is to it. So we will continue this conversation in the next episode as Brooklyn and I discuss congressional math. We hope you join us. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the JCIS and Open Journal for Upcoming Scholars. The JCIS is currently accepting article submissions for their fall 2023 edition. Call for papers information can be found in the description. The Phoenix Group, an independent research consortium offering solutions for social issues through multidisciplinary and unbiased research. And BH Conflict Resolution Services, a full-service dispute resolution firm offering expert and cost-effective mediation services to couples, groups, and businesses. BHCRS can be reached at www.bhcrs.com. We'd like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society podcast. Finally, PodKite, our analytical partners. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. If you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. We'd also like to remind everyone that the Nova Society podcast is now available on our new YouTube channel. We encourage everyone to check out the channel and like and subscribe. The link can be found in our description. Remember, 
the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon and all of us here at the Nova Society Podcast, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.